You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. We got a lot coming for y'all today, man. NBA free agency is at an all-time high right now. I want to say in the last 48 hours, we've had, like, what, 10 major moves in the NBA at least? You know, Kevin Durant wanting to lead the Nets. Kyrie just signed his contract a few days ago. You got Zion, Ja, uh, you got DeJounte Murray. The list goes on and on. So we're going to dive into all of the contracts, uh, what possible trades could come up for KD. So we got a whole lot of NBA news for y'all. We got some college football news. Uh, you know, we're coming with the news on current events and entertainment and all of that. So we got a jam-packed show for y'all today. It's a good one. Yes, sir. And this is their first time listening to the Q&E podcast. Definitely subscribe to all of our podcast platforms and definitely subscribe to the Q&E podcast YouTube. we got a lot of movie and show reviews coming out on there. We are reviewing Miss Marvel. We just uh, reviewed The Black Phone, which came out this past weekend. So definitely check that out. That'll be up in a couple of days. We got the Avatar review coming out. We got everything uh, everywhere all at once. So we got uh, everything coming out for you guys in the next couple of weeks. So definitely stay tuned and subscribe to the Q&E podcast. Podcast and subscribe to the podcast platforms. But you guys already know that we have to start with the NBA free agency because so many moves are happening right in front of us, bro. And the biggest move of them all, and some unprecedented, probably one, yeah, one of the most unprecedented moves ever. Kevin Durant asking for a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Him and Kyrie look to be both on the move, looking for new locations which is crazy as hell, bro, because just a year and a half ago, these boys had James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. We thought that was a for sure championship. And literally in less than a year, everything gets tore apart. Harden goes to Philly. Then Kyrie had his whole situation earlier this week where it looks like he wanted to leave, that he ended up opting back in. And then KD requested a trade, and now both of them are on the trade block. Like, what was your reaction to just all of this mayhem with the Nets? My reaction to this was none of these guys are leaders like how they continue to try to make themselves out to be. I get it. KD was the most loyal person out of the big three that you just said this entire time when it came to the Brooklyn Nets. So I don't look at him wanting to leave negatively in this situation, but it's just not what we're used to seeing with somebody, you know, like a LeBron James, where it's like, hey, wherever he goes, he's going to play his full contract. He's going to be a be- big of a leader as possible and win or lose. That's where he's going to stay throughout his full contract. But you see this situation with Brooklyn, Harden leaves, you know, because he's just not performing as well. The whole Kyrie not playing every single game, whether it's due to him not playing just because he don't want to or because of the vaccine situation. And then you got the situation where they finally do get to play together, KD and Kyrie, and they get swept in the first round. (laughs) And we never got to see KD, Kyrie, and Harden play. I don't even think they played any more than 20-something games together, if that. They only played five playoff games together. Five playoff games. And and that's just, you, you have to rule it a dumpster fire. When you look at that whole Brooklyn situation over the past two years, it, it was basically a dumpster fire. But to answer the question, where does KD land? I know he's looking at, you know, Phoenix. He's looking at Miami. Uh, 
who else? I think the Pelicans were in talks. Any team Toronto. that KD goes to, though, even Toronto, any team that he goes to, the Brooklyn Nets are looking to basically basically build a whole damn team off of a trade. Like, the, the Brooklyn Nets are not trying to be in a situation where they're rebuilding from the ground up, especially, like you said, even though Kyrie opted in, he's still looking to get traded with that opt-in contract that he just signed. So the Brooklyn Nets are like, hey, if we get rid of either one of these players, we're getting at least four to five players that can be a legit starting five and still have us in playoff contention. So it's going to be real interesting to see what they do in this situation. And that's the biggest thing about the KD trade because the Nets, you would think that they would try to tank because they're losing two of their best players. Yeah, just collect all the picks you can. If you can get a young uh promising player for sure take him in but you're trying to really get the draft picks and really collect like you see okc is doing with their with their team with chet Holmgren. just uh they just drafted him in the nba draft but the nets do not have control of any of their draft picks because all of their draft picks are with the rockets in that james harden trade so they, they really can't tank because they don't have their draft picks they're not going to benefit off tanking at all so they have to come back and actually have a good team that actually wins like playoff range play in range because there's not going to benefit them to tank so that's why we're seeing a lot of Suns rumors where they can get a possible Mikael Bridges who's a good role player Cam Johnson we're hearing that the the Tyler Hero from Miami we're hearing that Toronto is really starting to emerge as a front runner right now because they're hearing that uh, Scotty Barnes can get thrown into that trade who's a young I think he was was he rookie of the year was it him or Mobley yeah yeah, Scotty Barnes was rookie of the year, and he looks promising. They're talking about throwing in OG Ananobi with some picks and maybe Gary Trent. So Toronto is really starting to emerge as a front runner for KD, and we're hearing that they really don't want to just get picks. They have to have somebody promising that they can build with as well, and that's where the tricky situation comes in with this whole KD situation. With him only, with him having four years on his contract, you just can't trade him to wherever he wants to go and get, you know what I'm saying, a whatever deal in return. You have to get the maximum return because you got him signed up for so many years. And I think that's where we're going to get lost. I don't know if he goes to Philly or Miami, not Philly, but Phoenix or Miami. Now, one thing I do want to say when it comes to Toronto and KD, it's not going to be his fault. It's what happened. But if he goes to Toronto and you can't get a chip with Toronto, I ain't going to lie to you, bro. People going to start putting Kawhi above KD when it comes to all-time talk. They're going to be like, damn, you went to the same team Kawhi went to and Kawhi got a chip with him and you couldn't? Don't be surprised. I'm not saying it's going to be right of them to do this, but just know people are going to be like, damn, do we have to consider Kawhi over KD? Will we talk all time? Because KD followed in his footsteps unwillingly if it's a trade, of course, but you know he followed in his footsteps and didn't deliver like Kawhi did. That would be an interesting topic people would have. So I think that's why KD wants such a – huge say so and where he gets traded to because i think he still wants to have the ultimate say and where his next destination yeah, is sure. because that stigma of him just joining whatever team is winning that stings with kd still he's still trying to find that team that he can really get it done with without people saying oh you joined such and such who already just won and and this, that, but and that's third, funny that, that he chose both of the number one seeds as the teams that he wanted to go to. It's like, look at Katie, you yeah. want to tag along for the, for the good ride? But no, nah, but going to Phoenix would be a, a hell of a trade. I don't know how much I liked it because Kevin, uh, Chris Paul is so old, but playing with somebody like uh, uh, Devin Booker, bro, 
and he's so young. So you can definitely get five years playing with him, you know what I'm saying, until you retire. So that's a good trade. Playing with Jimmy for the next three years will be promising. You got a young player in Bam if you can keep him. But I don't know if Miami has enough with like a package of a Tyler Hero being the crown jewel of the trade. I even don't think Mikael Bridges is enough. That's why I say Phoenix and Miami wouldn't be the highest. It will really have to be like Kevin Durant is forcing himself to one of those destinations that they got to select one of those deals. Because I would definitely pick Toronto over Miami or Phoenix. Like, give me, if you're giving me Scotty Barnes, like, nigga, I'm taking that and I'm running. Like, you can have KD. KD is definitely one of the best players to ever touch a basketball. But if I'm getting a rookie of the year, if I'm getting OG, one of the best defenders, and I'm getting somebody like a Gary Trent in picks, like, that's the type of package you are looking for to really replenish the, the chamber if you are the Nets. That's what I would be looking for, bro. So I don't know if KD wins with the, 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 the Raptors. That's the thing I was kind of thinking about earlier. Like, Van Vliet, Pascal, KD. And that's what chip? I was going to say. I I think the from the Brooklyn perspective, yeah, trading with Toronto makes more sense for you. But when looking at KD – he has a better chance of winning getting traded to Miami as opposed to getting traded to Toronto. But a trade I think Miami could do is I don't y'all know I love Hero. I ain't trying to see Hero go nowhere. Man, that nigga name, Hero is gone, bro. His, that nigga his name gone. has to be his name has to be brought up in conversation. So Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, three first round picks for Kevin Durant. But you've seen the trade that was made earlier today, bro, with Rudy Gobert going to the Timberwolves. I think his trade high-key fucked up the trade market because the Timberwolves traded five fucking first-round picks for Rudy Stupid Gobert and four players. So not only did you trade four players, you traded five first-round picks for Rudy Gobert? So imagine how much you can get for Kevin Durant if Rudy Gobert is going for five first round, oh, you damn near getting ten picks. Like you feel what I'm saying? So it's like now we start. Like now you starting to question because Rudy Gobert is definitely a defensive player of the year. Got to give him his respect on that aspect. But he's still in the playoffs. He's not going to show up, bro. He's not going to play on the court. We already know the story with Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. So it's like if he's getting first round five first round picks. KD got to get like seven, bro. Seven, eight, bro. If that's the yeah. case, bro. And I don't know if the the Heat. Maybe Phoenix has that. I don't I don't really know what their pick situation is. Maybe Phoenix has that with pick swaps and all of that. But I know Toronto has that in the chamber. And like I said, if you're giving me a young player like Scotty Barnes who has exponential potential, like I don't know if KD wants to go there. And like you said, that could be the hindrance in that. But those are really the three teams, the three to four teams. I would throw the Pelicans in there too. Because if I was the Nets, I would look at the Pelicans because I want Brandon Ingram. Like, that's literally a, a Kevin Durant fucking clone. Like, I would want I would want Brandon Ingram, whatever else, to make this salary work and give me a boatload of picks to make it work. I would try to get Brandon Ingram if I was the Nets as well. But I think whatever names you associate with the picks, that plays a huge part in how many picks you might or might not have to give. The names that are coming from the Timberwolves that goes with the trade of the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gobert to go to Minnesota – I think Tyler Hero is a big enough name for Miami that is worth two to three picks. And then Duncan Robinson is worth like two picks as well on his own, just off of his name. So I think the names that you associate matter. Like if you trade Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram is worth three to four picks. So if you add three picks on top of Brandon Ingram, it's a value of like seven picks. I don't think you have to have two big name players and seven picks. 
I think that's a lot. I, I agree. I, I see what you're saying because the, the Timberwolves, they traded Patrick Beverly, they traded Malik Beasley, but more that's so they I'm traded saying. role you're players. Play, you're trading players you're that are like worth yeah. one or two picks, not yeah. necessarily it's like, oh, you got Pat Bev. Pat Bev worth three picks on his own. It's it's not like that. As but I don't think Tyler people, Hero, Hero has potential to be worth like three picks by himself on his best day. I don't think Hero is worth that much, though. I truly don't. And I think I don't think people around the league view him so highly either because he is a six-man. I think he is one of the, the young stars in this league, but I don't think he's viewed like so highly like Scotty Barnes is. And I think even people yeah. are looking at Mikael Bridges even higher than him. So that's what's so crazy because I'm hearing more people say, yeah, if they were supposed to pick between Miami and Phoenix, he would still go to Phoenix because they would rather have Mikael Bridges on their team than a Tyler right. Hero. So it's like a lot of people view him in that aspect because he does come off the bench and he doesn't and he didn't show up in the playoffs this year. I think that was a big hit to his value. You know what I'm saying? Duncan really didn't play toward the end of the season. You see what happened to him in the playoffs, the defensive holes in his game, that's taking a hit to his value. So a lot of the people that the Heat are trying to trade, really their value really got hit throughout the playoffs. And I don't think they have the yeah. same type of value that they had in the regular season. And I think that's going to hurt the Heat. But that could be that those pieces can be somebody that gets you Donovan Mitchell, who could be in the talks right now, because is Utah going to be a full rebuild, just trade and go bear? Or are they going to surround themselves with pieces that can surround uh, Donovan Mitchell? I, I'm hearing both sides. I'm hearing that it could be surrounded with Donovan Mitchell, but I'm hearing from a, a beat writer that they're not really fully sold on that idea. Utah just sounds like a full blow-up right now. The fact that they traded Rudy Gobert for five players is just killing me right now. But um, I think Donovan Mitchell, he's going to try and get out of there because he's very aware that right now winning is not on the priority list of the Utah Jazz. Right now, even if they tried to build something around him, I don't see them building anything strong enough to get them anything past the first or second round of the playoffs. And Donovan Mitchell is in his prime right now to where it's like he can lead a team well past that, but he has to have the right supporting cast, and the Jazz do not have that anymore. Yeah. I'm going to tell y'all how these last few days have been for me straight from a Heat fan, bro, because it's really been a, a straight-up roller coaster, bro. Because... <laughs> Obviously, I know the situation last week where, not last week, but earlier this week where Kyrie was going through his situation where he was looking for a trade. So it was a lot of rumors that, damn, the Heat make the most sense. We were talking about it last week. So I'm thinking that, oh, Kyrie finna come to the Heat. We finna get busy this, that, the third. <laughs> so Kyrie ends up opting back into the net. So I'm like, damn, we lose hope. But you still got people on the board. We heard about Bill. We heard about Levine. We heard about Mitchell. So we, we're getting closer to the day on Thursday. So a couple of days go by, I'm hearing so many rumors. I'm hearing that, oh, Levine maybe isn't fully sold. Oh, Donovan Mitchell maybe isn't fully sold on coming back. And then we get this bombshell drop on us that Kevin Durant is fucking on the trade block. So boom. And he wants to come to Miami. So obviously my, my emotions are back high. <laughs> Kevin Durant want to come to us. Oh, shit, we finna get busy in Miami. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Then I hear so many people talk about it. Then I look at the packages that other teams can really bring to us. I'm like, damn, KD really don't look as likely. I'm starting to lose hope. Because while this is happening, you got to remember, DeJounte got traded to the Hawks. That's a big pickup in the East. Now the Hawks yeah. can be true contenders. You got to think, Brogdon just got signed with the, or got traded to the Celtics. And they signed Gallinari. The people that we just seen in the Eastern Conference Finals, they got better with two players, you know what I'm saying, two key role players that they're going to have. That's important. And then Joe Ingles, 
was signed to the, the Milwaukee Bucks. So all of the people that were going to be roadblocks in the Eastern Conference got better. And then right. Philadelphia stole your best role player in P.J. Tucker. And they're trying to become the Philadelphia Rockets over there signing Daniel House. <laughs> and they're trying to get Eric Gordon. So like I said, think about this from a Heat fan's perspective. You see everybody getting better. And it's like you're waiting on Kevin Durant. So now my feeling is getting low because I'm like, damn, do we really have enough to get KD? And then my feelings are low. Then I hear this Donovan Mitchell news because obviously Rudy Gobert got traded. So you're like, Utah Jazz, they finna blow this shit up. We finna get Donovan Mitchell. We finna go crazy. Da, 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 da. And then you hearing that they're gonna uh, really build this shit around Donovan Mitchell. So now I'm hearing conflicting reports like Donovan Mitchell might not be on the trade block. So it's been a complete roller coaster because so many other teams in the East are getting better while we're playing yeah. the waiting game with Kevin Durant. And I think we could end up being huge losers in free agency if we don't get anybody. Because when you look at actual free agents, there really is none when you think about actual free agents that are going to make an impact. For the Heat, we're not going to be any better than a six seed at best. Exactly. If everybody, if everybody continues to get better and we don't hit at all during this free agency period, I don't see us being any better than we're a not six doing seed shit, bro. We're not doing shit. And even if we will... get that six seed, we're getting swept or five games in the first round of the playoffs. That's why I said the Heat could end up being huge losers, bro, because you need something to fall your way, whether it's a KD. Hopefully a prayer falls from God and you you get him in your lap, but I just don't see it as likely. But Donovan Mitchell is looking like the most realistic. Like I said, I'm hearing conflicting reports. I'm hearing like they're not fully sold on building around him. They're still looking at possible trade options, but that's what you have to look at if you're the Heat. I'm kind of losing hope with the KD, but they have to hit on something, bro, because the East is getting better. Even the West with the, with the Wolves and all them, you could say they're getting better. And you know the Lakers are most likely going to get Kyrie out of this situation too because that's where he wants to go they're going to get him so the west is going to get better east is getting better and heat are staying the same and you lost your best role player so you're not even running it back you're just you're getting worse truly if you don't get anybody so I'm I'm hoping on a, a fucking star that we get somebody and and with the whole Lakers situation, AD has to get traded, bro. I, I don't give a damn. <laughs> trade for what? Has to get, AD has to get traded. If the Lakers, AD is a liability at this point. I told you this like three or four weeks ago. AD is a liability, and I would not be surprised if he if he gets on the trading block. I just wouldn't. We all we all know Russell Westbrook. If Kyrie is coming, Westbrook is clearly out of there. But I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to get AD out of that too. That's all I'm saying. I think if it was a, a KD and Kyrie package deal, I could have seen AD get traded because obviously you trade an AD in a heartbeat if you can get – are you trading uh, AD in a heartbeat if you can get KD for sure? But do the Nets want a nigga that breaks down every season? That's going to be your crown jewel. When healthy, he top five for sure. But he's not healthy that much. So I don't know if I would take that back if I was the, if I was the Brooklyn Nets, honestly. That would be a huge question mark for me. And I think that's why they're taking the switch of like Kyrie because Kyrie is going to walk anyway. A lot of people yeah. are, it's not a lot of value in Kyrie right now. I'm hearing the Heat don't want to give up that much to get him because he truly wants to be in LA. So if the Nets can get, um, the Nets can get Russell Westbrook and picks for Kyrie. And I'm hearing that they're going to get Kyrie and either Seth Curry and, or Joe Harris. Like they're going to get uh, Kyrie mm. and a shooter because hey. Westbrook's money is so high. So it's like yeah. the Lakers can come up to be huge winners in all of this fiasco, bro, because they got Kyrie falling in their lap because he wants to go there. And this is how the situation falls, bro. So the NBA is, is crazy right now, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, Damn. man. I ain't even know about Seth. 
Seth or yeah. um, what you call it? Damn. I didn't even think about that. Because the money is different because Kyrie is making 36 million, but Russ is making yeah. 44 million. So to make the money work, you have to throw somebody else in the deal, like a Seth right. Curry or a Joe Harris, to make the money work. So not only are you getting fucking Kyrie, you for the, the Nets for the bro. The, <laughs> the Lakers for the be OD next year with Kyrie and Joe Harris and Braun, bro. If AD stay healthy, oh my God, bro. That's crazy. And you're seeing the pickups that they're making now. They're picking up Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown mm-hmm. Jr., like a lot of young wings, like way more athletic than they had. Scottie Pippen Jr. too. You know what I'm saying? They're picking up young wings, and I think that's what they had to do because they were way too old last season. So they're getting way yeah. younger and way more athletic. And the Lakers are going to be up there with the Warriors once again. If like, Knock on wood, everybody stay healthy. That's the big issue. But I'm about to say, I don't know now. We got John Wall on the Clippers. That's another yeah. conversation. Is this actually going to work? That was the main question I had. Is this going to work? It looks great on paper, but shit. If KD, Kyrie, and Harden didn't come to fruition at all like how we expected, what are we to expect of PG, John Wall, and Kawhi Leonard coming but those, back? That's him? different, though, bro. That's how key different. Because those were players that were all offensively gifted but left a lot of to be desired when it came to the defensive end. And I think that really blew up because of locker room issues. I don't think there was locker room problems with the Clippers, especially with uh, Kawhi and PG being on the team for two to three years now. You really don't hear about a lot of internal issues. You know what I'm saying? PG had his whole thing in the bubble with playoff P and all that shit. But we've seen the real Paul George this past season. He's back Mm -hmm. to form. Kawhi, if he gets back healthy, he's back to form. And you get John Wall. I talked about the Clippers last week of being my favorite to get to the finals in the Western Conference. You add in John Wall, it's like, these niggas just add everything because they have so many pieces that they can trade for even more players. They have so many role players. They have Norman Powell, Robin Covington, Marcus Morris, Zubach, that they can trade to get even more pieces or to get an even bigger name to get on their team. So, And they already have three stars. And it's crazy, bro. The Clippers are going to be scary next year, bro. They they are. I just hope it works. I hope it works. But that's once again, like, we had to have the conversation of how everything stands right now because KD could shift this whole conversation if he goes to Phoenix. That's what I'm saying. He could shift this whole conversation. But if KD does go to Phoenix, do you think Phoenix is the favorite in the West? Mm, Because are are the Phoenix Suns just giving up Devin Booker and some picks? They're not, I don't think they're giving up. I don't think they're giving up Devin Booker. They're not giving up. Oh, oh you have to. The Nets made it very Devin clear. Booker, they're not Booker, trading. Devin Booker was just signed yesterday for a five-year extension, so you can't trade him anytime soon. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think the Phoenix trade is going to happen anymore because the Nets made it very clear. They're not trading KD to Phoenix if they're not getting Devin Booker. And Devin Booker re-signing with the Suns for that five-year extension, that I think that took them off the block already. So I don't even look at Phoenix mm. anymore when it comes to a trade. And funny thing. They said they said I that tweeted. same shit about Bam, though. They said that same shit about Bam, and they still talking to Miami. Yeah, that's true. So I think Damn. they're dropping this shit down, bro. They're just going to get a lot of picks from Phoenix. Like you said, the, 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 the player, the type of player that you get is going to determine the amount of picks that you send away. They're going to have to send a lot of picks, but they're going to trade Bridges and Cam Johnson or whoever else to make the money work and throw a lot of picks to get KD while somebody like the Heat will have to throw a lot of picks, and I don't think they have that yeah. amount of assets. I think so, I think the Heat will have to throw more players than picks, and the Suns will have to throw more picks than players. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So if everything stays this way, so who do you think KD is going to go to then? 
If you had to predict right now. If I had to predict right now, you you would that Rudy Gobert point fuck me up because it's like if you getting five people for Rudy Gobert, it's like oh my god. Uh, I think the Heat are still high on his list. Um, if Kevin Durant were to go to Phoenix, it would be to match up with Chris Paul, so Chris Paul can run the point and KD could just be that scoring machine. Because outside of Chris Paul, who do you have running the floor? In Phoenix, for real. So, Devin um, I, I mm. Devin Booker is not getting traded, bro. Devin Booker is going to be there if he gets traded. Oh, I, I don't think he is either. That's why I'm taking Phoenix completely off of the list. I think Miami honestly has the best odds. I like the Toronto point that you made, and KD is good enough to where he can he can carry a team if they're good enough surrounding him with Siakam and and a couple other people. But um, I say the Heat and Toronto; those are probably the two biggest destinations. And that was my biggest question about Kevin Durant. Like, why, why would you want to go to the West is my question. Because even though the East is looking stout at the top because you had a Bucks, you got the Seas, you know what I'm saying? Philly is even looking better because I feel like they're going to have a better team around their two stars now. It's still like, damn, why would you want to go to the West with the Warriors? You got to deal with the Lakers. You got to deal with the Clippers. Like, those are more certified teams. Yeah, the Mavs, you got to worry about. So it's like, why you want to deal with them instead of dealing with, like, teams you've seen for the past three, four seasons? Is he running away from the Celtics because he know what the Celtics can do to him? Possibly. But (laughs) you're either running away from the Celtics or you're trying to prove something by going to the West. And I feel like it's going to be way more pressure on him if he goes back. If you go back West... Oh, KD, you got to win everything, bro. Otherwise, they're going to be on your bro. head. <laughs> they're going to be on KD's head if that. he goes to the West and don't win. Shit. That's what I'm saying. And that's the funny thing about this whole situation, bro, where if you go to Phoenix, bro, because I'm not just going to put them in the finals even if they get KD. I'm not just going to put them in the finals. Because even though they have a good team, Chris Paul, them boys folded, bro. Flat out mm-hmm. folded in the playoffs this last year. So I, that took a lot of respect away from me from the Suns. Like, y'all y'all choke for real. So I got to look at the whole scheme of the West. The Warriors are the cream of the crop right now. They still the cream of the crop. Even with them losing some players, Steph, all them boys going to be back next year. You got the Lakers. I'm just assuming Kyrie is going to be there because that's where he wants to be. And they're going to make that trade work apparently. LeBron You're going to have the Clippers. Terrible seasons in a row. That's all. You I'm know saying. what I'm saying? Like, and Kyrie, LeBron, all of them on the, on the same page. You would not expect to Kyrie to fuck up that situation because him and LeBron have already played together. That shit should hey, be I'm, smooth. I'm hoping anyway. I'm hoping. Yeah, won't you, you would expect <laughs> that situation hoping. to run smooth. And then you have the Clippers. So I don't even know if you run it. Are you getting out of the second round, nigga? If you got to run into Kawhi, <laughs> like nigga, come on, bro. I don't even know if you're getting out the second round. If you got to run into Kawhi, and that's crazy. KD versus, Kyrie, um, KD versus Kawhi in the first round? That would be, boy, look, it's some legacy talk on the line for that first round. I ain't even going to lie to you. But that's either of them, that's, that's going to be a whole legacy-defining first round for either of them. That would be that's funny. That's nuts, still. bro. That's nuts. KD, come on to the Heat, bro. Why are you playing with us, bro? Because I've, I've seen in reports that KD don't want to come to the Heat unless we have, like, uh bam jimmy and kyle lowry like that shit is literally impossible because lowry has to be traded because without him the money would not work for a trade to happen so kyle lowry has to be a part of the deal but he doesn't want kyle lowry to be traded so it's like bro you really don't want to come to us for real if you want to play with all three of them niggas you don't want to come to us for real bro you want to go to somewhere else where you can get somebody where you can play with chris paul and book 
Or you want to play with Siakam and whoever the fuck, Fred Van Vliet. Like, you want to play with them niggas over there. So you don't want to come to us because you want to say all that bullshit. <laughs> but let's talk about some other moves in free agency. Like I brought up earlier, Rudy Gobert to the Wolves. Interesting move, bro, because now they're going to move Cat to the four, have Gobert at the five, got Anthony Edwards. They still got D'Angelo Russell. How do you feel about that move? I like it. I think they could definitely um do well in the second round with how complicated the West is. I don't see them getting further than that. But for a young team, adding somebody like a Gobert, you definitely have higher hopes. You ain't just celebrating just making the playoffs anymore. Like It's like, oh, we get to make the playoffs and actually win a round or possibly two. That's how big of a, um, of a jump Rudy Gobert is for that team. So I think they have um, an opportunity to do that. Another signing that I like, like I mentioned earlier, the Mavs with JaVale McGee pairing up with Luka Doncic. Bro, I love that. I think that's going to do wonders for Luka because now he got somebody to feed in the paint that we know can get a bucket, and it'll just ease up, you know, the perimeter play that he's going to have to deal with because if you got to worry about Gobert, you ain't going to be able to stretch out. about the same JaVale McGee? No, I mean, um, not Gobert, but JaVale McGee. I think JaVale McGee is I'm talking about, yeah, are we talking about the same JaVale McGee? You talking about giving him the ball and he getting a bucket. Are we talking about the same JaVale? I'm telling you, back to the basket, I like it. Back to the basket, I like it. Now, if you're talking about, you know, getting these jumpers and all that shit, nah, I ain't worried about that. But I'm talking about just being a back to the basket big. I like JaVale. JaVale finna catch these lobs. JaVale ain't doing shit with catching these lobs. But I think Christian Wood is that going to be that type of player for the the Mavs for sure, though. I think that's still a good pickup. And like I said, Rudy Gobert to the Wolves is kind of weird to me because they're trying to go back to like 70s type of basketball where you got like two bigs for real. It's like, nigga, we're in 2022 where it's like this whole NBA is surrounded by guards. So Gobert cannot play on the floor in the playoffs. We've seen that for the past two years now. And in the playoffs, he gets played off the court. So trading five first-round picks and Patrick Beverly, who was literally your vocal leader in the locker room, it's like that shit high-key hurts the Wolves, I think. Would they be better on defense because that was a big hole other than Patrick Beverly? Yes, they were. They will be better. But I think come playoff time, I don't know how much it impacts them, bro, because that shit is just a big ass. Well, you got Anthony Edwards now to fill in that vocal leader role. Like, he's the leader of that team. Yeah, you got Pat Bev who got more experience and is just more vocal than Anthony Edwards. But Anthony Edwards is clearly, out of everybody on that roster, he's the next person to be that type of player on that team. So I ain't worried about them having a leader. We know it's going to be Ant. I would hope so, because, hey, I'm telling they now. Yeah, oh, it ain't Cat. I ain't letting Cat. That was, that was, oh, it's oh, definitely not no. going to be Cat. They just signed oh, no. Cat to a five-year, $264 million extension. Yeah. He got $57 million. That's crazy. $57 million a year for Cat. Cat, one of the best players in the league, but that's a lot of fucking money, bro. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But Rudy Gobert to the Wolves, I'm still kind of mad on. I got to see it, bro. Because having two bigs in 2022 is crazy. Unless they are very athletic and can play and be versatile like you've seen with the Celtics. Like the Celtics were playing Horford and Williams for long stretches of of time. And it worked because both of those bigs are versatile. They can step onto uh, one through five type of uh, players. But Gobert is not known to do that. He's a drop big. Cat is a drop big. So it's like, I don't know how that shit works. You're going to give up a lot of threes, I would think, if you're the, the, the Timberwolves, I would think. Moving on to the DeJounte to the Hawks move. How do you feel about it? 
Oh, I love it. I think I know Black loves it. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't stop tweeting about it. But um, I think this is great. I think Trey Young has his true running partner for real for the first time in his career. No, no disrespect to John Collins, but I think Dejounte Murray is that missing player that he needed to like really look at the Hawks and be like they have a true duo now, and I, I think it's gonna do phenomenal. I think they'll uh they have a chance to be a top five seed in the East for this upcoming season. So I, I'm excited to see what the Hawks gonna do. It was the perfect it was the perfect pairing, bro. You needed somebody next to Trey who was uh, had the ability to play defense and he had shot versatility where he could shoot from. He can get shoot from the three. You don't want him to shoot there consistently. He shot in the 30s, though. You have the mid-range game. He attacks the rim. He can pass. He defends. He led the league in steals. So I think that was like the perfect backcourt running mate for Trey Young to have. Trey Young can play way more off ball now, which he needs to play more off ball if he wants to reach the next potential, the next level in his evolution. I think he has to start playing way more off ball with uh with uh Deontay Murray, I really think that comes into fruition this year. Uh, now they just got to figure out everything around them. I know they want to trade John Collins. Maybe you trade John Collins and you get another piece in there to really round out this team. But getting Dejounte, DeAndre Hunter, you have two, and I think they signed um Justin Holiday early today. They got signed mm-hmm. Aaron Holiday, so you're getting way more defenders in there. So I think it's more of a a focus for the Hawks to really defend this season and not have one of the worst defenses in the league like they had last season. So I think that's going to be, be way more improved. than they, they, they didn't really give up anything for DeJounte Murray. Like, they really fleeced. Yeah, what did they, they gave up Gallo, but they gave up like three first-round picks. But, yeah, you didn't give up anything. I was, that That's not really anything. Considering the, the immediate effect that you're going to have, like, over the next couple of seasons, you ain't really give up much. But, but this is why I'm... I don't want to say I'm scared because if I'm a Hawks fan, I'm happy. But if I'm a Spurs fan, I wouldn't be too mad about it because I know the Spurs philosophy and they're known for trading players before they go downhill, before they plateau. They sell high on certain players. And usually you never see the Spurs lose a deal. So on first glance, you look at it and say, damn, like the Spurs, not the Spurs, but the Hawks fleeced them. Giving up first three first round picks and only giving up Gallo, you think you fleeced them? But I think we're gonna revisit this deal in a few years and say, damn, with the the picks that they made with the Hawks drive picks, like damn, the, the Spurs looking like they're ready to do something in a couple of years. So it's something that has to play out. But you usually don't hear the Spurs losing a deal. So I wouldn't grade it so quickly with that because they gave up three unprotected picks. You never see that really. You never see that. Yeah. Unprotected, it usually has some sort of protection. So I wouldn't be too quick to decide on who won that trade. And then we got Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari going to the Celtics. Huge moves for them boys. Yeah, just more help for uh, Tatum and Brown, bro. Like like you said, it helps build out the depth on this team. Ime Udoka, I feel like uh, they just needed more arsenal on their bench, and, and this is exactly what they get with these two players. So I'm uh I'm sure they're gonna do well. They're gonna be the top team in the East, I think. Uh, and yeah, that that was my takeaway from that, bro. If Tatum don't win MVP next year, like there's a problem, bro. If Tatum don't win MVP next year, he has the best team. I think they well, have a problem the on his team. end or a problem with the league. No, a problem on his end because he needs oh. to be winning MVP with this. Ad, with this that's roster, what I was gonna say. They're going to win games. <laughs> They're going to win games, and he should be producing at a high level because I expect him to be motivated from 
that shit show that we've seen in the finals. I expect him to really come back and really have something to prove because he has the most. I agree. Team. He he should be second or third when it comes to um the scoring champ race, and he should be either top two or top three in MVP voting next year. He and should be top two or Brogdon, three in both of those categories. And the thing about Brogdon, the one missing piece I really thought the Celtics were missing was a true point guard, a point guard to get everybody in their places and where everybody can get their shots. And it can be a, 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 a focus for the point guard because Marcus Smart, that really wasn't his his um, his strength. We know his strength to be playing defense. He's going to hit clutch shots. That's usually his MO. But they didn't have a true point guard to put uh, Tatum and Brown in the right positions or in the most opportune or most comfortable positions for them to get their shots off at an easy rate. I think Brogdon does that to him, to them. I think that he hits clutch shots. We've seen it with the Bucks a couple of years ago. When they, I think he took them to the Eastern Conference Finals along with Giannis. Yep. I think he is proven in the playoffs as long as he stays healthy. Because the past couple of years, he's only played like a 30 games. But you really gave up nothing if you're the Celtics. They gave up people at the end of their bench and a first-round pick. They gave up nothing for him and got one of the, the best, you know what I'm saying, not best point guards, but one of the best role players, I think, in the NBA for nothing. So I think this is a huge move. Him and Gallo, they're, they're the most talented team for sure, bro. I'll be surprised today and in the, the finals are ECF next year. And then we got Joe Ingles going to the Bucks. Yeah, bro. I think Giannis, outside of the Celtics, bro, Giannis has a strong chance to go back to the uh to the finals next season. Uh I think, ooh, do the Bucks have a chance to land KD? I ain't heard the Bucks in talks at all. Do they have enough money for KD? I don't think they want KD. You don't think so? I think it. Mm, they can Who are they going to trade? You going to trade Middleton? <laughs> yeah. Trade Middleton. If, if I'm, I'm the Bucks, I would trade Middleton, uh, Bobby Portis. Middleton, Bobby Portis, and like five first-round picks. Shit. <laughs> I don't I think they got the picks because they traded a lot of picks for Drew Holiday uh, a couple of years ago. They traded a lot of Damn, picks Damn, they Drew. did. I forgot about they Drew traded a lot of picks. I don't think. Damn, you can low-key throw Drew Holiday. Nah, you can't throw. Nah. What a team. <laughs> Yeah, and that's bro. the thing about it's like giving up too much for Katie. I feel like is that what everybody is worried about as well. Because, like the Heat, if they were to give up Bam, I don't think they can because you can't have um Ben Simmons and Bam on the same team because of some weird rule with the CBA. But if yeah. that was able to happen for them to trade Bam, it would be Jimmy and Katie. That's not getting you anywhere in the East, bro. I think they still would be losing in the second round in the Eastern Conference with Jimmy and Katie because of what would be around them. Because I'm assuming you would trade Hero in that deal too. Like I still yeah. have to question what you can build out with that. So I wouldn't be, even though it's KD, it's like, damn, you still want to have a team that KD will, the teammates that KD will play for or play with. So that would be another thing that I would question too. Oh wait, hold why. on, this shit might work though. Yeah, this shit might work. The Bucks, if the Bucks wanted to, they could do this shit. Man, you could put, hmm. Damn. Nah. Yeah, never mind. Cause you really worrying about giving up too much. You don't want to give up too much. That's what I'm saying. Damn. Bro. I wouldn't I wouldn't really do it. <laughs> Cause I was gonna say Brooke Lopez or mm. you really gotta give me you really gotta give me Drew and Drew and Middleton if you want KD. That's the yeah, that's the that starting point. point. And then You're you can finish it off with at that point. 
Exactly. Well, this they got this they got George Hill, but nah. Mm-mm. Hell nah. And that would be crazy though, KD and fucking Giannis. That's what I'm saying. That would be crazy, but I still think you would have to have some sort of team behind that. But yeah, that shit would be crazy. And that's and that's another thing with the Heat, and I think that's why they should high key be pivoting toward like the the Donovan Mitchell route because I already told you how I feel about KD to the Heat. And that's why I think Donovan Mitchell is you don't have to give up as much to get him. And I feel like you can have such a good-ass team with him. I think Lowry wouldn't be traded in that deal. I think you keep still keep Jimmy. You keeping Bam. You keeping a lot of niggas. You keeping Gabe, I would assume. It's a lot of people that you're keeping with the Heat. While, well, when you trade for KD, it's like you're giving up everybody. Yeah, you're going to have Jimmy and yeah. Bam, which is a excellent shit. Like, if I still have Jimmy and Bam, I'm fine with a KD deal. But it's like if I have to give up Bam in a three-team trade or some shit like that, that's when I was like, all right, you're doing way too much, my nigga. Because yeah. Jimmy and KD ain't winning shit, in my opinion. It's just <laughs> Donovan Mitchell is just way more gettable, bro. That's what we should be targeting. But moving on to the NBA draft, which was last week. A lot of a lot of moves in the NBA draft to lead up to the free agency point that we are at now. But the NBA draft was exciting, a lot of surprising moves. What were some of your biggest takeaways? Uh, Jaden Ivey, uh, I love that pickup. Um, who else? Uh, it was somebody else that was a good pickup. Uh, my boy, um, Dyson Daniels. Uh, it was somebody else too. Those are my two favorite picks though from the draft. I think Jaden Ivey is going to have like an immediate effect in the league for sure. Y'all already know what I said last week, bro. Pallet Bancaro should have been the number one pick and I'm glad he was picked number one. Y'all was hearing all that smoke screen bullshit that it was going to be Jabari. Jabari ended up slipping out at number three. I already knew Paolo was the best player in this draft, bro. You can hear what you wanted to hear, but Paolo was the best one. And I think the Magic made the right pick. And I think he will be the player to turn around this franchise to what it once was so long ago, feels like. I love the Jaden Ivey pickup because... Hold up. Another thing about the damn Jaden Ivey pickup. Too many niggas was trying to jump on the Pistons bandwagon after I was seeing the Jaden Ivey pickup. Y'all niggas was not with us shooting in the gym. Nah, I don't want to hear y'all niggas you jumping on. You weren't there old. either. We love, we love. <laughs> you weren't there we either. Was, what are you talking about? I was always shooting in the gym with Kate, my nigga. <laughs> y'all trying to hop on the bandwagon. You literally oh, weren't there bro. either. <laughs> no, no, I was like, what you mean? I've been a fan since K got there, bro. What you mean? I've been there. You say that there. like that's over a year. Like, I've been there. <laughs> it's still not even over. I was in a there year. shooting in the gym, though. I was at the, at the bottom for the real. Like, y'all niggas been there. You've been there bottom. for, you've been there for like, what? Nine to I was there months. at the worst year. <laughs> I was there at the worst year. But I love that. I love that pickup. I love Jalen Duran. They ended up picking him up as well. A 6'9 center, basically, small ball center. I think he's going to have a huge impact. For the uh for the Detroit Pistons, bro. Uh the Heat ended up making an interesting pick. They ended up picking Nikola Jovic, which I was not expecting at all because so many players were slipping in the draft. EJ Liddell yeah. ended up slipping to the second round. Jaden Hardy, who was a top five pick coming into the college basketball season, ended up going into the second round. And Ty Ty Washington ended up going to late first to the Rockets. To the, but I love yeah, I love that pickup as well. Yeah. I love that pickup for them because they needed a true point guard in Houston because I don't think uh, Porter Jr. is a point guard. But I think Tata can step right in and be the starter, honestly, for that team. So I love that pickup from uh, from Houston as well. Oh, and uh, Isaiah Mobley to the Cavs. I like that one. Yeah, being with his brother. Yeah, that nigga plugged mm-hmm. his ass in for sure. 
That nigga brother one day. I don't know if that nigga get picked like that. But <laughs> definitely shout out to them, bro. Definitely shout out to everybody that was drafted. Those were the key names that I got toward the middle of the draft. I was kind of like, all right, bro. I was kind of tapping out. What did you shit. think about uh uh what's bro name? What did you think about Matherin going to the Pacers? What did you think about that? The Pacers have so it. many fucking guards, bro. The Pacers need yeah. to figure out like what they're gonna do with every all of the guards that they have right now because they just drafted Duarte last year in the draft. You already got Buddy Hill, so it's like, what are you trying to do? You know what I'm saying? And they they traded yeah. Brogdon, which lessened the the point guard and guard room. But I just need to figure out what they're doing. And with guards. and that's how I felt with Orlando. Yeah, you get Paolo Bancaro, but the Magic been getting guards for like what the past four or five years mm-hmm. now. And yeah. I think the only forward they had got was bro from um Auburn in like 2019. Outside of that, yeah. they just they just began a lot of guards. So I'm like, what well, what are y'all doing? What's the plan? So like you said, I hope Ben Carroll is the turning point to get the Magic back on track to be a relevant Easter Conference team. But over the past couple of years, the Magic ain't shown me that they're trying to build something for real. So it, we just gotta wait and see. I think the Magic have a good base, though, with uh, Franz Wagner, who is, like, top five in Rookie of the Year. You got Paolo now, who is, like, a for sure 20 and 10 when he steps in the league. You got Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, who were top picks. And you still got so many guards that some of a couple of them have to hit. You still have Cole Anthony. You still have RJ Hampton. You still have Jalen Suggs. You still got Markel Folks. Out of those four players, two of them have to be good. And I mean very good. And both of the, all of them are all young, so they can still develop into something. But they need they two of those four to become very good. They keeping sucks for sure. Hey, whoever it is, they got to figure out who is going to be the two because the other two can honestly leave or can be backups or something like that. But they need to figure out who is going to be their main two moving forward. I think that's what they need to figure out this season. But I think they made the right pick, bro. I absolutely love that for sure. And toward the middle. And OKC made a lot of picks, too. Okay, so he had like three picks in the first round, picked up Jalen Williams. They picked up Chet Holmgren. They picked up Jing. So you see the type of uh, way that they're trying to go. They're trying to get a lot of size with Chet and um, that uh, Alexandre, who was drafted last season. They got Josh Giddy and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who are both 6'5", 6'6". So you got a point guard and shooting guard, 6'6", 6'5". And your big men are going to be 6'11", 7 foot. And they got a 6'10", small forward in Jalen Williams. So they are going to have a huge team moving forward. And I think that's the NBA that we're moving towards. Like you have to have length and size to really, you know what I'm saying? Be in like move to move toward the future. I think we're seeing that with Toronto. Do you think we're taking a step back into a older era with so much length and size now? Or do you think the skill aspect of the game still has to dominate to where we're not really taking a step backwards? And I think that's the key that, that you have to be versatile at the same time. You can have the size, but you got to be versatile at that size. You're not just going to be a Rudy Gobert who's just big and not doing nothing on the offensive end. Like those running jump centers, those centers are the ones you see come in the league. Just because you athletic don't mean you sticking around, bro. Rudy Gobert yeah. is 7'1 with a 7'10 wingspan. He is different. But a lot of these running jump centers with no skill, you out of the league, bro. So people like Chet, that's the future. Like, you got to be skilled. The dude, Victor, who's going to be the number one pick next year, who's from France, man, got nothing but skill at 7'2". You have to be skilled, bro. You just can't be running jump at seven foot and think you're going to be in the league for a long time. Because I'm telling you, you not. That's not where the NBA is going. And that's why I think it's like a weird what the, the Timberwolves are doing. But it's interesting because 
just like every trend, a lot of the same things always get played once again. So I, I think the NBA is going through a soft period, three-point shooting period right now. But I think 10 years down the line, we could revert back to the early 2000s style of play where it's a lot of hand-checking, a lot of, oh, it's a revolved around athleticism type of play. Because you know how this shit go with all the trends. They always circle back like in 10 to 15 years. And I think that's the same thing yeah. we're going to see in the NBA. So Because like you, like you said, we're at, we're at a soft point now with the whole three-point aspect of the game. Yeah, threes are still ruling the NBA at this point. But I'll say from... 2015 to like 2019 right before covid threes just dominated the league to the point of no return to where it was like mm -hmm. everybody taking step backs everybody's getting fouled on every single shot and now we're like you said we're in that soft period of yeah that's still somewhat going on but it's died down a lot with the way the nba is allowing players to you know not bait fouls anymore as much now and stuff and they're making it more entertaining for the fans now. So I, I agree. We're going to get back to a point where bigs play a much more important part than what they have over the last few years. But I don't think it's going to revert back to where it's just bigs are just dominating the league. Yeah. And I think another big move, and I think he ended up going to the right situation for him is Jabari Smith, bro. I think he mm -hmm. fell into the right situation. I think I don't think he was the right pick for Orlando. Cause I don't think it was the right style of play because I don't think he's somebody you can build an offense around, but going mm -hmm. to a running gun team like the Rockets where you're playing with Jalen green, Kevin Porter. Now you got Tata. They're a high flying team. And I think that's what you really need to really accentuate his talents to really pull out his strengths. You know what I'm saying? With a style of play like that, where they need defense too. And he has way better defense than Paolo. So I think that was the right pick for both sides, for Orlando and for Houston. So I think he ended up going to the right team. Even though he was mad as hell on draft day, that nigga was mad as shit. He thought he was going to go number one. I think he fell into the right situation for him, though. I don't, I don't know. If I'm in that situation, bro, I'm getting drafted. I don't know if I'm necessarily just <laughs> mad as hell at any pick I'm at right now. But the thing Especially is, he's been told for so five. long that he's going to be number one. He's been told for so long, like, you're going to be number one. You're going to be number one. So when you get there on draft day, it's like, damn. I'm number three. I think it's a mindset thing where you've been yeah. told and you've been expecting to be number one. So wait until number three is kind of like, oh, that shit pissing me off for real. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it, hey, you ain't going to the worst team. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true, too. Man, Carroll, he got to be comfortable with just sitting there and starting from ground zero for the next couple of years. You know, as to where with Jabari Smith, it's like, hey, they already got like two or three players before you. You're just added on now to what they already got, and you're not starting from ground zero like the Magic are at this point. So Yeah, that's, that's a good point as well. Definitely a good point. And moving on to some college football. We got USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten starting in 2024. Huge move. It's so weird, though, like why this is happening. I, I just don't understand why. I don't, I don't get it either, bro. It's... <laughs> It's the power of money, bro. Big Ten and SEC have been ruling football for how many years now? And I think USC and UCLA, I feel like they're just – they're understanding that, hey, if we want to get the same type of players that these two conferences are getting, if we want to have the same type of marketing value, we got to join one of these conferences. And seeing Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC, 
I think it made UCLA and USC sit back and think, damn, we can just switch too if we want. We still gonna get the same, we we're gonna get the same amount of players or more. And we more, got a better yeah. opportunity. Yeah, we got mm-hmm. a better opportunity for marketing and the way the NIL is now. Like, you know, it, it's just a totally we're in a totally different space for college sports at the moment. I think USC and UCLA understood that. It is weird though that teams that are so far west coast are joining. That's like my a, point. A That's the point. The distance conference. is the question. Like, why it's been so regional for so long when you're going yeah. like to you're gonna go to Ohio from California to play a game. It's it's crazy. Hey, but, but it, it makes you more conditioned for the pros though, shit. Cause you know, the Dolphins having to fly away to New England or you know, the Bucks having the not the Bucks, but um the Chargers having a couple of times throughout the season, having to fly way across, you know, to the East Coast to play certain people. It's just preparing college students for, you know, more air travel and more traveling, playing in different environments and shit. So I think it's cool. And I think this is the biggest reason why this is gonna happen, bro, or why this is happening. Um, and it's been a lot of reports recently that the power five conferences that we know today with the ACC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12, they're saying that we're moving toward only having two mega conferences. We're looking toward a power two, where it's only going to be the SEC and the Big Ten, and both conferences could have over 20 teams in each conference. So it can, it's going to be the, the Pac-12, all Pac-12 schools are going to move to the Big Ten, and a lot of the Big 12 schools are going to move toward the SEC like we already see in Texas and Oklahoma already doing. And those are going to be the two mega conferences out of, you know what I'm saying, the whole college football. And that's interesting because I feel like we had a conversation about this before. Like, is this going to be the future with so much money being in the SEC, so much attention on the SEC and the Big Ten? But I think this could be something special with having so many good teams in one conference. It just raises the excitement for college football even more. Because imagine if a rivalry comes before, before like a, a Florida and a, a Texas now, or you just got new rivalries that come from this shit. And that's what I'm loving from it. Yeah, I think the same. I think two mega conferences, it, it just makes sense because I think we're just so used to the idea now that, if you ain't undefeated or only got one L, you're just not making the college football playoff. And I think with having two mega conferences, it opens the playing field more. Like, you're going to have teams that have two. Everybody's playing the same type of competition, yeah. You're going to have two to three losses. Um, You're going to have two to three lost teams in the college football playoff if you make that happen. There's no mm-hmm. way you're Alabama and you're sweeping through Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia. Like, you're playing teams like that back-to-back. You ain't mm-hmm. going undefeated every year. That's not happening. Or if you're Ohio State in the Big Ten, like, Michigan just uh, – because Michigan just won their last match. With Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, so you got Michigan that, that finally got a dub on you after how many years now, and they got a respectable program with Harbaugh now and everything because they finally got that monkey off their back. Now you got California teams coming out here, and everybody been talking about how USC finna be back in. Yeah, Boston that's what I'm saying. USC and Ohio real. State can be some shit. Yeah, man. Look, come on now. And then you got Michigan State, who's always competition and whatnot. So these teams that we know to only be one loss teams or undefeated, that's not gonna be the same anymore. If you have two mega conferences of twenty plus teams each, there are going yeah. to be teams with damn near three L's making the college football playoff but you know they're still the top-ranked teams in their conference. 
Yeah. And that's what I think that we need to go toward just because of your point of everybody is playing the same level of competition, bro. That's what we're missing. And that's why it's so much divide when we get around college football playoff time, because you look at the Big 12, who you playing in the Big 12, the Pac-12, who you playing in the Pac-12. It's always going to be that when you compare it to the SEC in the Big 10. But if everybody is playing the same level of competition where, oh, even if a fucking Clemson comes to the SEC, Nigga, you know how much crazy oh shit will happen if Clemson comes to the SEC? Oh, my God. That's why, bro, you know how many rivalries will come from that, bro? So I just think this is the best. You got both Dev Valleys in the same conference. You got the Dev Valley for Clemson and the Dev Valley for LS. Ooh, that would be, bro. Oh, fire. The battle of the Dev Valleys? The battle of the Dev Valleys, two Dev Valley nights in a season, that will be fire, bro. That would be so fire. Bro, that <laughs> shit will high key live up to like college football playoff every week type shit. Cause we see in a college football level matchup or college football playoff level matchup every week. You know what I'm saying? From somebody, you have to play somebody, bro. You can't hide, bro. You cannot yeah. hide. You're gonna play Florida, you're gonna play Oklahoma, you're gonna play USC, you're gonna play Alabama, LSU, Clemson. You can't hide, bro. And I think that's the best for the college football, bro. And I think that's how you really going to deserve your spot in the college football playoff. And that that home away shit ain't going to be all that neutral stuff no more, bro. It's like, no, you playing Clemson at Clemson or you playing LSU at LSU. You playing Ohio State or UCLA. You playing at these people home and away spots. It ain't going to be all that, oh, you know, this game is so big. They're playing at a neutral site, blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, bro. We're going to see who can really get these home and away dubs for real. That shit is just fire. That that's the future, bro. That has to happen because I when I looked at the difference in money that is being made in like the best two conferences being the SEC and the Big Ten. Currently, the SEC is making fifty four million dollars, and the Big Ten is making fifty seven million dollars. But if you look at the other three conferences, Big Twelve making forty, Pac twelve making thirty four, and the ACC is making thirty million. When you look at, let me share my screen. When you look at the projections from the other conferences compared to the Big 12 and or Big 10 and the SEC, it says the oh, SEC, yeah, they said the SEC by 2029 will be making $117 million by 2029. The Big 10 will be making $101 million by 2029. While the other three conferences will make 62, 61, and 57, respectfully. So that's why we're looking at more so of a power two, because now all three of those conferences can just combine in those two, and it can just be more revenue for all of those schools that are going to come in and be a part of the new conference, the new mega conference. So I think it just benefits everybody, and it puts everybody on a level playing field. Well, do you think they'll be renamed since there'll be so many schools in, oh, yeah. in the well, mega conferences? They the got to rename. The Big Ten will be renamed. The SEC can stay the SEC, I would think. That can just well, be Southeastern Conference. I don't know because not all the teams will be considered Southeastern. They're going to keep the same. I, I feel like you, you got to rename both. You can't just rename one and not rename the other. Because <laughs> the Big Ten, you can't call it the Big Ten because you're going to have 20 fucking teams in there. But it's crazy because the Big Ten already has like 16 teams in there. So it's like they already don't right. have the same amount of teams. So like I said, I don't know if they will worry about the names, but 
Maybe they do. I, I think if you go from five to two, like two mega conferences, damn near like the NFL got the, the, the South AFC, versus the North. The NFC. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like you, you got to come up with new names. It's, and that'll be just a total generational shift in the whole dynamic of college football. Like imagine 20, 30 years from now, we telling our kids, bro, I remember the Big 12 and the SEC and this, that. And the kids go look at us like, what? It's only two <laughs> two things for us. Like, no, yeah. y'all went in there, bro. Y'all went in there for all these different conferences and whatnot. But, yeah, I think they got to rename them just because you can't have that many schools in each of these programs and it's still Southeastern Conference. Like, cause what if you got – what if you got um what you call it uh Maryland in the SEC? It's like they're not South. I would assume they stay up north. <laughs> oh, that's why I say I think it's gonna be like a north and a south type of thing where you keep one. Maybe some from the Pac-12 mm. go to north, or some from the Pac-12 go to south. I don't know, but I think it could be something like that, bro. But I'm definitely excited because that would mean a, it's a movie. Because you know, throughout the season, it'd be some dull weeks where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you ex- it could be like three dull weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah, like you expect some upsets from some unranked teams, but it's still like we ain't seeing no ranked matchups for real. But with these matchups being in the same conference, like we're gonna see a movie every weekend, bro. We're gonna see a movie from teams you don't usually expect to see every uh, every year. So that would be a movie, bro. And homecoming week. Oh. Homecoming week could be even more lit than what it already is. Because by the time you get to homecoming week, it's some important games on. Like, you'll, you'll get a Florida and an Auburn, you know, for homecoming or Florida LSU. You'll, you'll get the Iron Bowl around um, Thanksgiving or homecoming mm-hmm. time or whatever. So you already get big games then anyway. Or that's even damn near rivalry week at that point almost. So it'll it'll just be even bigger than what it already is. And I think that's high key what Alabama needs too for them to not be like on the 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 pedestal that everybody's looking at them on. They have to see teams that they don't usually see. When you see teams that you high key are accustomed to, like the Floridas, the LSUs, the whoever else you see, it's like you kind of get accustomed. Like I know what to expect with this team. But when you got a team from another conference coming through, you don't know what to expect with them niggas. They're going to bring, bring a, a different flavor than what you're used to in the SEC. And I think that's what we need to see for Alabama to really get knocked off that number one seed, bro. So that shit will be fire, bro. That shit will be fire. I'm all on board. And another news with college football, we got Arch Manning is going to Texas, which is crazy. He's the number one player in the 2023 drive, not drive class, but in the recruiting class. So this is a big move. This is Peyton Manning's nephew, Eli Manning's nephew, and Cooper Manning's son, and he will be going to Texas. He is the best quarterback in the 2023 class, and I think he's the best player as well. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Yeah, so. I'm in, I'm excited for it. We've been telling jokes about Texas all the time, but, hey, maybe this is a turning point Texas needs, especially um, now that they are part of the SEC. What better way than to join the SEC than to start off with a Manning, like, you know, in, in one of your first years? in the sec so that's cool i hope he has much success i like arch manning he he's really good to me i've seen some highlights of him so and i think that's what texas needs so i feel like every year they always question themselves like oh the quarterback or the coach that's where like nobody else gets the blame but i feel like the quarterback position is going to be set bro like this shit is going to be his bro he's going to he's going to be the number one pick like we could already book this shit no matter how good or how bad this nigga plays off his name alone he going to get passes and niggas is going to dick ride all the way for him to be the number one pick in the NFL. Draft. <laughs> he, he's, he's just like that, bro. Just cause he's a man for real, for real. And 
college basketball news. Imani Bates ends up transferring to Eastern Michigan. He was with Memphis last year, but he is going to Eastern Michigan. I wanted to talk about this because I think he made the best move for himself. Getting so much pressure going to Memphis and being such a highly touted prospect and having so much pressure on him since he was like in seventh grade because he was compared to Kevin Durant. I think going to a place like Eastern Michigan where you don't have the same level of pressure, but you can do way more with your all-around game. You can showcase way more than you could have done at Memphis. Like at Memphis, I think they had him playing the wrong position. They had that nigga playing point guard when this nigga's a 6'9 bucket getter. Like they just had him in the wrong role last year. And with all of the injuries from last year, I I just think it was a terrible combination. But going to Eastern Michigan, where they're going to let you do whatever you want to do, you can play some point, you can play some wing, you should even play some low post and do some fadeaways. I think this is the best move for Imani Bates for his career and for his future. So definitely shout out to my bro for making this decision. I agree. I thought the same. I feel like he's going to a much better fit. He's going somewhere where he thinks he's going to be more comfortable and can probably stand out a lot more. Like you said, with if you're just playing point the whole time, your draft stock isn't going as high as it probably should be. But since you're going to Eastern Michigan now, you got a chance to build that highlight tape while also still having a good chance to, you know, be in March Madness and everything. So I I love the um the move. And that's the big thing about because we always talk about HBCU players with the more players, more highly touted players going to those schools. So you're going to get scouted no matter where you go, as long as you're talented. And that's why I think places like this is going to be important, even in the future. Even when we talk about things outside of HBCUs, just smaller schools as well, getting these big time players where they can just do whatever they want and can showcase all of their all around skills. I think that's a big deal, bro. I think that could right. be something that we see more and more in the future. And in baseball news, I've seen something interesting. So Rob Manfred, who is the MLB commissioner, says that an automated ball strike zone will likely be introduced for the MLB in 2024. How do you feel about this? I think it's cool, but it kind of takes away from the human error aspect of the game. And it's like that that's a part of sports. Like, yeah, it, it helps as far as like decision making for the umpire and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a level of human error to where we have some type of emotional tie. Like if we know what the um, if we know what the pitch is every single time, it's like it, it takes away the thrill. It takes away the fun. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it it'll have some pros that will have some cons, but we'll, we'll just have to. To wait and see what the overall but isn't that is. what you want though yeah. don't you want less human error and more that's going to be precise and you know what you're getting every time yeah it'll definitely slow down it'll definitely shorten a lot of these baseball games to where we're not going past nine innings into like 12th and 13th innings whatever we can do to shorten the hour long hours long baseball games that we get let's do that but I think that that's probably just the con that I could pull up of like, it takes away the human error. I actually love it because there is no human error in it. And it's like, you get in the correct call every time. I think that's one of the biggest things with baseball is the human error. And that's why we see so many upset fans over strike calls over, you know what I'm saying? Balls or whatever like that. But I think with this, you know what you're getting. If it's going to be in that, that strike zone, you know, if it hit the strike zone, the automated uh, the automated strike zone is going to get it correct every time. So you can't complain about the shit because, you know, you can't argue with the automated shit. 
Like they're they are going to be precise, and I'd rather you be precise than I fall error to the human error of it. I fall victim to the uh, human error of it, and I think that's what I'm more proud of. So I would like to automate it going toward that shit more. So it, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. I I think we'll we'll have to see it in action for us to give like a true experience. Like I said, but I, I think it's cool off face value. I think it's cool because I would think it's like an automatic thing that's sent right over the the home yeah. plate. And it's like you throw the pitch and they yell out, not yell out, but it's like something says maybe from the speaker or something, it says strike or it says ball. And it's like, okay, now you know what the count is, one oh zero one or something like that. So I think that's how it's gonna move forward with the with baseball. I think it's dope. Getting more tech in this shit. Moving over to social media wants to know. Yeah, bro. So do you have to bring food over? For all the kids, if they are not yours, I'm sure you all have seen this viral video by now. I have had plenty of debates with your friends or colleagues or whatever by now throughout this entire week. But a video dropped on, I want to say it dropped on Monday or Tuesday of a man who uh, is one of four baby daddies to this woman. He dropped off McDonald's for his son and the lady cussed him out, threw the food on the ground and everything. In her rage, she threw the food on the ground. Yeah, she threw the food on the ground. Like she was pissed fuck off. Um, she was very upset because yes, you're bringing food for your child. Yes, you're doing right by your child. But in her mind, I have three other kids in here who are also hungry, and you didn't think to bring food for any of his siblings. Like I'm my son eat in front of his other siblings who ain't got no food. So it sparked a whole debate on social media. A lot of people siding with the dad. You see a lot of women most likely siding with the mom. So I just want to get your take on it. What would you do in the situation? Are you buying food for kids who already got other dads and stuff like that? Or are you just taking care of your child alone? I'm taking care of my child. I think it's funny because I think the man ended up being... I think she wanted to expose him for not bringing food for all of the kids, but it made him look like a good dad because at least he's bringing food while the other daddies are not bringing shit and making you starve with no food stamps. So I think she ended up making him look better in the video because at least he's trying to bring the his kids something. Maybe he doesn't have the money to spend for all of your kids. And I think he was asking great questions. He was like, where they daddies at? Why they daddy don't bring them food? Like, why they don't know you struggling? Why they don't you don't got food stamps and shit like that? So he was bringing up good points, and she really didn't have a response to it. She was just mad that he's only bringing his kid food, but he was bringing up points like, where they daddies at? Why they not helping you? Why they not supporting their kids? You know what I'm saying? Why they not feeding their kids? I think that's the, that was the point. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing. Where are their fathers at? And, and I agree. That was my thing. Like, I feel, I feel the exact same way you do. I've had several women throughout this week tell me I was wrong, tell me <laughs> he was wrong, tell me, like, you know, no, He's supposed to bring food for all the kids. Like that's just no, that's not right. And I'm like, but this is, the but, but he brings he brings the food often. Like the the lady in the video, she said he always bringing his son McDonald's. Never bringing the other kid. Okay, so if you know I'm bringing my kid food all the time, you didn't think to call your other baby dads and be like, hey nigga, step your game up. Like you ain't brought you ain't brought your kid nothing. I got such and such over here bringing his son stuff all the time. And it's, he he was asking very valid questions the entire time, like you said. And the, the most fucked up video was she, he did what she asked. He was like, 
let me just get my son then. He can eat in the car or I, he can go in the room and eat or whatever. Let me get him and have him eat in the car. And she said, okay, grab the food and threw the food on the ground and said, get that shit out of here. I would have been pissed because just because your other kids ain't eating, you ain't finna say fuck my son, fuck our son, and throw his food on the ground just because other kids ain't got something to eat. That was that was crossing the line. I ain't I ain't rock with that at all. I didn't see now. I didn't see that part. I seen the whole back and forth, but I didn't see her take the food and throw it and shit. Like that's crazy, bro. Because you could have just had him eating in a car. But it's like I understand the woman perspective though, because you don't want to have three of your kids looking over at this nigga like, look at this bullshit ass nigga eating the food. I ain't got shit. To eat. <laughs> ain't shit in this goddamn refrigerator. He got McDonald's. So it's like the jealousy part. You don't want him to feel favored over the other three kids. So I can understand that, but I'm still going to side with the dude 10 times out of 10 where are the other people daddy's at. Like, that has to be saying. the question. That's what I kept saying in every debate I had. If these fathers are not in jail, dead, or just not in their lives at all, like, they have no excuse. Like, if they're working dads just like me and you can call them just how you called me, they ain't got no excuse. Like, I shouldn't have to – because it, it's petty people in the world, bro. It's petty dudes out here that what if I'm feeding your kid and our baby mama end up telling you that such and such um, fed so-and-so today, you ain't got to worry about coming, blah, blah, blah. What if he get upset at me and be like, hey, shit, don't be feeding my child and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, it's petty people out here like that, bro. Yeah. I feel like he was he was damned if he do, damned if he don't. Because what if he came and got his son and took him to get something to eat? It would have been a whole argument of, well, why you ain't taking the rest of them to get something to eat? You know they ain't hungry too. And I'm I just feel like he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Then again, I don't have kids. Maybe I'm looking at it from a selfish perspective. But this is but then again, I would never be a fourth baby daddy to anyone either. So <laughs> But this is the thing that I was hearing. I was hearing that when they were together, she already had three kids, and she used to feed those three kids when they were together. So that she had the fourth kid with him. Obviously, they break up or whatever. So he stops buying the food for the other three kids because now we broken up. I'm not taking care of you and your kids no more. I'm just focusing on mine who I have to take care of. Now she's so used to him taking care of everybody. Now when he only bring one bag, she like where everything else at because she's so used to it. It's like, nah, nigga, we broken up. I ain't got to take care of your needs no more. You can find another nigga that can take care of all your kids and all your needs, but it ain't me no more because we not together. I just got to focus on mine. I ain't got money to be feeding the whole goddamn plantation, my nigga. I'm feeding my kid, and that's it. That's what I'm focused on, bro. I'm not feeding them other three kids, bro. Man, that, that's how I if feel. I got, this is the thing, though. If I got it, I'm going to feed him, though. If I got it, I, I'm going to feed him. But if he, that nigga didn't like he had no shit, I'm just tell you right now, 99% of women will tell you you wrong. I've been told I'm wrong this entire week. I, I don't feel like I'm wrong, but I've been told I'm wrong by several women this week. I can understand I, that, I just bro. don't see I can understand it. I I just I just don't see it. I don't see how I'm wrong. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, she, and, like, she really wanted to expose, dude, because she's like, why you only bring in one kid food? I don't know. It's like, you making this nigga really look like a great daddy for bringing the food. You're making... Everybody is jumping on the dad that is genuinely trying to Literally. bring his son food <laughs> while the other three baby daddies are not doing anything and sitting back laughing at the video. Like, come on, bro. The three niggas who ain't doing nothing are not the ones getting cussed out, but the one who is trying to do something is the one getting cussed out. 
Just make it make sense. That's all I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, bro. But like I said, I understand the perspective from the family perspective because, like I said, you don't want the one kid to feel favored and you don't want the other three kids to feel like, oh, you like him more or he gets way more attention or he gets fed more than us. You don't want how them are to you have getting, that type of how jealousy. How are you not getting favored? How are you getting favored? You're not my children. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about from the mom's perspective. I'm saying from the mom's perspective, the, that's why I said from the family perspective, you like you get it because the one kid will look favored over the other three if you're the mom. It's like, this nigga getting fed and y'all not. Y'all got to eat whatever in the fridge. But that ain't, as the mother, that ain't me. That's his father. Like, y'all daddies are not doing what his father is doing. Like, but you can't, can't say that, though, bro. You, you, these niggas you are jacked. but you can't <laughs> say that. But I'm just saying it's like, come on, bro. How are you getting favored and y'all don't have... You know what? Let me shut up because these women finna be on my head again. Let me just shut up. <laughs> like I said, bro, I, I don't have kids and I'm not a fourth baby daddy, so I would I'm not in this situation. I'll yeah, never be in this situation, situation specifically. But yeah, I don't have kids yet. Maybe I'll look at it in a whole different way then. So I don't know. <laughs> bro, I've seen one meme, bro. It's the meme where my bro was eating like a hamburger or something. He was crying while eating oh, a yeah, hamburger. He was, crying. he was like, this is how the little nigga was when he was eating his McDonald's. <laughs> Them niggas was probably getting on his head for getting McDonald's, bro. That shit hey, was killing me, you bro. You seen the video where somebody was like, this how I'm going to feed uh, <laughs> this how I'm gonna feed my kid while my other baby mama kid sitting over there starving and he had the Pop-Tarts and he was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see that shit. Bro, it was another video, bro. It was it was a TikTok. This one was. It was like a girl with her family on the inside. They panned the camera. It was a nigga and his son on the outside dancing with McDonald's on his head. That shit was hilarious, bro. Oh my god, that shit was hilarious. Somebody said that's somebody else had made some tweet about uh bringing their kid a PS5 <laughs> in front of all their siblings, and somebody quoted and said, Make sure you only got one controller too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Y'all ruthless, bro. Oh, that <laughs> shit was killing me, bro. That shit was killing me, bro. Oh my goodness. But uh, uh, moving on to entertainment and current events. First thing on the docket, we have Roe versus Wade overturned officially. So we had this conversation not too long ago. I want to say like three weeks to a month ago because it was in the talks at that point of being overturned. But it is now official. The abortion ban looks like it is in effect uh, put down by the Supreme Court. We had this conversation of... um, Men should not be able to tell women what to do with their bodies or any gender telling the other gender what to do with their bodies. But here we are right now, which, damn, I never thought we was going to get to this point once again. Yeah, it's we in we in some weird times right now, bro. And it's not even just the simple fact of abortion. Like there's there's so many little things that I see women talking about on Twitter that this can affect, you know, when it comes to miscarriages and how do you got to handle getting rid of the baby in situations like that, how certain rules will apply to that and everything. I'm like, damn, like this is touching a whole scope of, you know, just the whole pregnancy situation in general. So I, I hate this decision, bro, because it's not fair that we have to sit here and tell women what to do with their bodies. But then we're not sitting here telling the men that they have to be responsible for anything. You know what I'm saying? It's like if we're going to make these women have babies, 
Y'all need to make these men be responsible and accountable and be there and take care of these children from the moment they're conceived. If y'all are considering these, um, if y'all are considering these fetuses and these babies like actual human beings from the moment they are in the stomach, you have to make that father accountable from that very moment as well. And he needs to be there responsible the whole time. If y'all going to make this shit equal, make it equal throughout every scenario. So I, I just hate the decision. I don't love it. Uh, it's been a lot of people um, speaking out their opinion on it. The the girl who, not the girl, but the lady who played um, Diary, in a, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, the main character. I forgot her real name. But uh, she uh, Kimberly out, Elise. Kimberly Elise. She spoke out and said she's in favor of the Roe versus Wade decision. She, she's in support of it. And I'm, it's just women who, women in general who are supporting this, it's just, it's crazy as hell. And a lot of people are also talking about, you know, if you're a real Christian, you should be in support of this decision and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, you know, getting abortions is not Christian-like. It is a sin, but it's not for us to dictate what people do in that situation. Your sins are your sins and it's what you do. And you talk to God about that for your decision. They ain't got nothing to do with me. Ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. So this whole situation of trying to play God in certain situations of telling women what to do with their bodies. Like it's just all stupid, bro. I, I hate the decision. And it's crazy the effects that are coming from it. I, I just read something uh, earlier today that said the men are having way more vasectomy scheduled now because they don't even want to be put women in the position to get pregnant. So mm -hmm. it felt like women were getting blamed for a lot of what was happening with this overturning. But I feel like men are stepping up. At least some men are stepping up to say, no, we're not even going to put women in that for a position anymore with vasectomies. I'm hearing that they're going to sell less plan B's now. They're going to sell yeah. less of those type of, you know what I'm saying, contraceptives. So you don't get, uh, so you don't, you can't be able to get rid of the baby. Like you have to have it in certain states. They're going to start ramping that up pretty soon. So we're just looking at the effects that is happening pretty quickly, bro. And I don't think there is happening in every state. But it's like I think it's going to start happening gradually toward every state. And it yeah. said some states can actually start to ban abortions. Like uh, abortions are completely banned completely, like mm -hmm. in every state, but they're going to get less and less. But they said some states can start to um, ban abortions and Planned Parenthood and all that. And it's it's a few states already that are, you know, they already signed and said, yep, yeah, we're going with it. Um, Florida is not one of those states yet, but... Florida ain't gonna surprise me with the Santas and they as the I, I can see it happening with Florida. So yeah. don't be surprised, y'all, if we become one of those states in the near future. But yeah, bro, it's scary. We we in some weird times right now. Uh, anybody, any woman out there that gets pregnant, whether willingly or unwillingly, I, I apologize to y'all. Y'all should not have to deal with this headache. But um, this is the thing, bro. Like with so much with so much shit going on in America, bro. Like. Why is Planned Parenthood and abortion on the minds of the Supreme Court when we got mass shootings every week, gun laws that need to be reformed? Why is Planned Parenthood and abortions on people's mind? Like that, that's what we have to question more so than anything, bro. Like, why is this at the forefront of what needs to be changed when this isn't the biggest issue, not even close to being the biggest issue in America? And so much bullshit can come from it because we already complain so much of like, people not being able to take care of their kids. And that's why abortion or adoption is an option. 
So we're going to see more adoption and we're going to see more people not be able to take care of their kids because this law is in effect. They have to have kids when they're not financially responsible or ready to have it. So now we're putting kids in positions where they have to uh, grow up in like poverty driven neighborhoods when they weren't even supposed to be here for real. Like their parents didn't even want them here. So you're leading them into more poverty because you're putting these women in positions where they're not ready to have them, bro. Literally not ready. But you're forcing them to have it. Or you're forcing them to give it away up for adoption. The whole argument and statement of pro-life and this, that, and the third, blah, blah, blah. If y'all are so pro-life, worry about the kids and the people who are already here. Y'all are using this pro-life argument for people that aren't even born yet or haven't even fully developed in the womb yet. Y'all using this whole pro-life argument for those people who are not even here as opposed to the people who are here, who are getting killed, who are getting put in danger. So if you're pro-life, be pro-life with the people who are already here and then worry about the people who ain't here later. Like, you could put this whole, you know, abortion thing on the back burner and deal with the gun laws and deal with the, the mass shootings and the murderers and the murderings that we're getting day in and day out here. That's my personal opinion. I think it's also fact, but it's like we we got to... We got to try as much as we can to generate change in the society we living in now. And it's another thing of population control. And I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily get on a Dr. Umar soapbox, but we all hear, we all see on Twitter, we all see on social media and we hear people talk about, you know, the prolonging of white life. And I'm just going ahead and say it because, you know, Netflix got the documentary, Our Father, I don't know if you've seen it or not yet, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a very interesting documentary about how this OBGYN was impregnating only white women to create more white babies. And this is another situation where you can really say, is this really for the betterment of women as a whole or just white women to continue making white babies? And that argument is very prevalent right now with a lot of people. And it probably ain't prevalent in white people conversations, not publicly, but everybody else is kind of peeping this at the same time. So I think that's another argument you could say, you know, is it because a lot of white people are feeling like they're starting to become the minority, even though um, I, I don't I don't buy into all that. Oh, hell no. That's <laughs> that's what they're probably scared of, I guess, because it, it is true. There are a lot more mixed people nowadays than there has ever been in the history of the United States. But that that's an argument that people got to pay attention to, too, bro. All right, moving on to the next topic. We got R. Kelly gets 30 years. Yeah, I just wanted to let y'all know, R. Kelly facing 30 straight to the dope. Um, I think he might have a couple more cases that he got to get finished with too. But um, yeah, R. Kelly, he's facing 30 years in prison. Uh, as far as I know, no other aliases or anybody has um come out and getting any time at all. The parents who were involved in a lot of the shit, I haven't heard of any of them facing any time. So it's really just all on R. Kelly, which it shouldn't be. R. Kelly should get all the damn time he deserves. But (laughs) I just think there should also be other people facing charges as well. Like these parents, a lot of these parents knew what their children were getting involved with with R. Kelly and actually encouraging their kids to do this shit. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's the only one getting blamed, he's the only one getting the microscope, and he's the only one facing this level of time. It's, it's just not fair to 
the justice of the kids whose parents put them in these situations <laughs> for real because that was in that was in i think that was in um surviving r kelly that was in one of the the that was one of like one episode i forgot what episode it was but the girl that ended up getting pissed on on camera by r kelly her parents literally made her go with r kelly because she wanted to become a singer and things like that so to push her mm -hmm. forward career they put her toward r kelly and he ended up doing what he did with her so the parents were definitely had something to do with it. R. Kelly's still a sicko. We're not saying that he shouldn't be getting this time that he getting, but other niggas definitely should be looking at some time too. The niggas who were helping him get women back in like other countries, I was seeing some shit like that as well. Yeah, that so, Ethiopia concert and all. Yeah, that. do you want to come to America? Like, bro, R. Kelly is a sick hey, nigga. Bro. I ain't gonna <laughs> he's lie, a sick that. nigga. That that song was funny as hell. That's some dark. Yeah, he's a sick nigga. Funny bro. as hell. But, it, it, but yeah, he definitely the deserved. Where he was like. Too. All you gotta do is be 18. I was like, the first the yeah. nigga with the side. We gotta find a nigga with the side. He has to go to yeah. prison immediately. Whoever idea was to put that sign up, they gotta go to prison. I don't yeah. So it's crazy because we already had so many signs, people didn't want to believe it, but finally. We get everything coming to the forefront now. He's actually getting the time that he deserved. It's crazy that it just takes so long for shit like this to happen because he's been doing this shit since like the 80s or the, the 90s now. So it's like, damn, like mm -hmm. in 2022, he finally gets the time that he really deserves. Just you like Bill Cosby, like 60. Yeah, like just with Bill Cosby, you heard rumors for so long. Niggas didn't want to believe it because it's Bill Cosby and he was really guilty of the shit. And then, like, when he's 60 or 70 years old, he finally gets to jail time. It's like, we need to start listening to these people when they accuse these celebrities, you know what I'm saying, in the moment. And start looking into these cases and not waiting because the celebrity is the has the status that he has. So we don't want to believe it. Like, nah. Trey Songz is going to be next on this list. Trey Songz should be say, on this bitch for sure. That, that's the person that, hey, if you're going to get him, get him now. Don't wait till 30 years later when Trey Song's 50 and it don't even really matter no more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When Kiki Palmer came out and said what she said, that was enough fuel for the fire right there. And then mm -hmm. situation on situation kept building. So Trey Song's might be another one of them people that we look at and in the next five to 10 years. It's like, oh, you got this case, this case, this case, this case. When we've been hearing about it, for like the past three years already. So that's what I'm saying, bro. We letting this shit go on because of the status of the celebrity. Trace on is Trace on. So we letting it ride. So many people are sweeping what these women are saying under the rug. And even one of the Gonzalez twins ended up saying that he raped her. I'm like, why is nobody seeing what these women are accusing this man of? We just sweeping it under the rug. And it's like, all right, it's gonna be the same type of situation that um but even not even those people it was other people on like the no jumper podcast talking about trey songs like he was like he making them feel uncomfortable it was coercion and all this other shit so it's like trey song is one of them niggas who's gonna do bro i truly do you think r kelly is really gonna sit for a whole 30 years or you think he's gonna get out early <laughs> bill, something... bill cosby out. that's what i'm saying and i felt like i seen something earlier that said he's gonna do some sexual therapy class if I'm not mistaken, he's going to do something, uh, yeah, sexual therapy class, I think. So I think if he passes the course, he possibly gets out sooner. I think he sits in there for a few years, but I don't think he'd do 30. I really don't. Because Bill Cosby was getting framed, not framed, but he was getting stuff from 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000. Like, he was getting charged for decades worth of stuff, and he's he was able to get out. I don't know if it's because he old as hell and finna be dead in a few more years or if it's just because, like, he was really able to get out based off of whatever program he was in. But if mm -hmm. Bill Cosby was able to get out facing, like, four different decades of 
supposedly like raping and drugging these women, I'm pretty sure R. Kelly gonna get out earlier than 30 years. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one. We got Miles Bridges turns himself in. Yeah, so Miles Bridges turned himself in. He he's out now. Um, it's amazing what money you'll do in whatever situation you're in. But um, he's facing felony for, uh, domestic abuse to his wife. Uh, she put on social media all the bruises and scratches and whatnot that she had on her face. She had stitches on her ear, I think. Uh, there's even a video of her son, I think, talking to his grandmother on the phone on FaceTime or something, explaining mm. how he heard and saw the altercation between his uh, mother and his father. So Miles Bridges is in a real fucked up situation right now, y'all. He, I, I think he's going to actually face prison time. Quincy feels otherwise. Yeah, I don't think he's going to prison, bro. Because it's, it's the same thing that we've seen with so many other situations because he has money, bro. When 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 do we ever see players that have money and are high profile? I don't care what y'all say, bro. Miles Bridges is high profile. And they go to jail for domestic violence or assault or anything like that. Yeah, he will get a slap on the wrist. He'll probably get some fines, whatever. But he's not going to be in jail for it. I truly don't. He, he definitely beat his wife ass. He definitely deserves time. But because of his situation and his status and his money, he's not. I really do not believe that. I don't know, bro. I, I think because most cases that we hear about are all NFL players. And we know the NFL, for the most part, NFL players. And we know the NFL to be a league that damn near lets you do anything and is able to come back. Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, if Deshaun Watson don't go to prison, he's still going to be playing in the National Football League. Whether he's suspended for a season or not, like he's going to be still playing football. And same thing with Ray Rice, same thing with Ray Lewis, you know, Ocho, you can name, uh, it was a white kicker for, I think, the Seahawks, like, two, three years ago or something like that. He did something similar. Oh, no, he was a lineman. Like, yeah, I know you're talking he, about. He was yeah. a lineman. Yeah, he was a yeah. lineman. So, you can name NFL player after NFL player that has done something like this and is able to And what happened with dude? You remember how he beat a shorty ass? What happened to him? I didn't I, hear I nothing remember. else that came from that. So, I'm saying, remember. like, once but you got money, that's bro, my you, point. Can, you can... It's the NFL. The NFL is known to let people back. I haven't heard of too many domestic abuse cases with NBA players for real. If they, if I have heard of them, they're just not coming to my head. What are we talking about? NFL? I'm I'm talking about the penal system. He's not going to get any time in jail for this. No, but but that's what I'm saying. I think the NFL helps in those situations because they just want their players to come back and keep generating money for them. I don't mm-hmm. think the NBA is the same situation. I think he has a bigger, ch- he has a um, more uh, chance of going to prison because it's the NBA and they hold themselves to a different standard than the NFL. The N- like I said, the NFL don't give a damn what you do. They'll probably help you beat the case knowing damn well you did it. But the NBA and Adam Silver, I don't know if they're on the same type of time. I don't know if they're more strict saying, no, we're not accepting this in the NBA like, we're not letting you come back until that's handled and you're proven innocent or whatever. We don't know how the NBA is going to handle it, which then leads to how the penal system is going to handle it. That's all I'm saying. I think it's the other way around. I think the penal system handles first, handles it first, and then we move forward to the NFL process. Because I think he's not going to do jail time. Will he get suspended from the NBA? I don't know. Because like I said, like you said, it's not a lot of situations that happen like this 
in the NBA. But it's like assault situation that happened in the NBA, except players back all the time. That, that's why like I said, these, like, if, I, if I heard of them, I just don't remember. These situations, these situations are usually swept under the rug and are kept quiet more so by the NBA than the NFL does it. Because the NFL, you know what I'm saying, is such a such a league which is on notice at all times where the NBA during the offseason you don't hear that much but I think with the NBA with her uh posting these photos I think that really made everybody look at the situation like oh damn like we gotta point out this situation that's going out on Miles Bridges like oh now everybody's saying that he has to be suspended from the league this that the third which he should be suspended by the from the league but I just don't think he'll get any jail time will he get suspended from the league possibly he should but I just don't know. We it's no precedent set for it, so that's what I'm saying. With no precedent, I don't know what you can really give to him. Maybe you can set the standard I, with him. That that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I think the NFL they're a league known to take back anybody. You can kill somebody, beat the hell out of somebody. The NFL will take you back, open arms. Ray Lewis killed the nigga, bro, and it was back in the league next week. <laughs> they'll they'll damn to help you beat the case, like I said. But the NBA, I don't know if the NBA on the same type of time and. If the NBA, if the league is backing you and helping you, that plays a huge part in how your court decision will go. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting situation, bro. Cause I seen him in the gym the next day. I was like, damn, this nigga already out of jail. It's like, what? Yeah. What, what, what do you do? Like, that nigga already out. I think he got his jail. His um, his court date is July twenty something. So that's when he'll actually know what's going to go down. You know, what I'm saying both sides will come out with that situation, but. Definitely prayers up to her for if she had to deal with that for a long time. She finally got tired of it and finally stood up for herself. So definitely shout out to uh, his wife for sure. And moving on to Airbnb bands, party houses. Yeah, bro. So is my question is, is this the end of an era? I feel like it's been on a downward spiral for the last two years or so now. But Airbnb is letting it letting it be known that they are permanently banning people from using their app. If people continue to rent houses, not rent, but continue to, uh, yeah, well, that's the word I could use for it, rent houses and use them for party spaces. Airbnb is not playing that anymore, and they will permanently ban you from the app. And I think that's a huge reason on why people even get Airbnbs for the most part. So if you're in a situation where you're getting a house for a weekend and you have a party, and you get any type of complaint to where the police have to come or the neighbors call the owner of the house or whatever, you're getting banned from the um from the app in whole. And you ain't getting your wow. money back. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Okay. But yeah, I already I already feel that this way about Airbnb because of the prices more so than the party house shit. You know what I'm saying? But the price is just way too out of control, bro. Like there they came into effect and really became popular. Because it was an option that wasn't as expensive as hotels. But then they started to get to the same price as hotels. Now they're even more expensive than hotels. It's like, this shit is way too much. I'm better off standing at a hotel than an Airbnb, which shouldn't have been the case. And it was not the point of Airbnbs when they first were introduced to us. So I think that shit was already on the downfall. This shit, just another kick in the chest. But I, I can't get mad at Airbnb for raising the prices like how they do because... People, people are way more cautious with getting a hotel room than they are with an Airbnb, bro. Like I've, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I have been part of some of the wildest Airbnb, Airbnb experiences like ever. <laughs> I myself didn't personally do damage to a house, but I've stayed at an Airbnb house where I've seen damage done 
to a place that somebody calls like another home for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can't be mad at people for putting a $300 cleaning fee when you, the last person that was in here broke something of yours, left stuff hanging off the walls and messed up your bed and this, that, and the third. Like, no, you're, people are not signing their houses up to be used as crash dummies. Like, no, they're signing their houses up to be used for you to lay your head while you're in whatever destination you're in. Nothing more, nothing less. So I, I can't get mad at Airbnb. Some Now, some of the cleaning fees be through the damn roof. But at the same time, it's like you got to get your money's worth at the same time. Because I've seen people on, on Twitter talking about somebody took a, a shit in one of their beds one time and just threw it in the washer and didn't even try to wash it. And it's like, mm-hmm. come on, I charge $300 too if you're doing something. I charge more than that. The fuck you talking about? <laughs> just come off the on, respect not. factor, nigga. Shit. And people don't people don't usually have that same energy with hotels because they know hotels they don't play that like you're them gonna tax your ass and we got your card on file bitch ass and they got your card (laughs) (laughs) so Airbnb try they're trying to get into that space where you have to respect them just as much as you respect the hotel but Mm. it I think it's still on a downward spiral I think it's gonna get back down to that point of where it's still an option for people but it's not popular anymore like how it has been over the last few years because airbnbs ain't new it's just with the new generation and the way technology is now it became so popular over like a four or five year span than it ever really was but now it's going to drop back down to that uh you hear a few people talking about it, but it ain't really a big thing anymore. Exactly. And I think the housing market has something to do with it, too, because everybody want to get the bang for the buck on that point, too, because the rent and all that shit going up now. So it's like, oh, I'm definitely going to get my money's worth with y'all niggas staying in my house. It's not just the cleaning fee. Y'all paying more on the, the front end as well with the amount of days that y'all staying here. It's like, oh, no, we're going to charge about 300 a day. We're going to get about nine to 1200 out of y'all just for staying here for three, four days. So I think that's the the other factor too with the housing going up like crazy with this housing market like you have to start charging more because everybody's charging more so you got to get your money too so i can't blame the airbnb people because that is the point of for a lot of people to have airbnbs they have a second house or something like that we're trying to really profit off it and continue to make money so we're going to charge you whatever we have to to keep that upkeep you feel what i'm saying so big deal moving forward Britney Griner's detention is extended by six months, bro. Like, I, at this point, I'm starting to get worried for Britney. I'm I was already worried for Britney, but it's like, damn, when is she really gonna get back to the states? If we keep hearing this shit, she facing ten years. They said she facing ten years in um Russian prison over the nigga for she some THC. She she ain't got sentenced yet, but she's facing that in court right now. She facing ten years. Like, what is the conversation going down over there where she has to get 10 years for some THC, bro? I don't know, bro. I'm still not understanding the full process if she's looking at 10 years and they extending the months. Like, why is she not back, though? I I don't agree with what's, with what's happening, but I can't sit here and say she's a hostage either because... At the end of the day, bro, I, I think it's stupid to say. I don't think you should be facing this much time for weed, no matter where the hell you are in the world. But if that's the rules of the country that you are in, that you are not allowed to bring this type of contraband over into this country, you mm-hmm. cannot purposely do that. Get caught and think you just finna get out of this shit like you probably would in America. 
you know what I'm saying? You in a whole different country, cross the water. You ain't, and, and it sucks to say this, but you're not no high-profile individual. Like, if this was Steph Curry or somebody like that, America would probably be up in arms trying to get that baby face back over. <laughs> but you're Brittany Griner. You're somebody who a lot of people did not know about until this situation happened. So I can't even say you're a hostage because you did something that broke the law in Russia. So you can't expect the U.S. to save you. And the U.S. and Russia ain't even on the same accord right now. They, they don't even want to talk to each other for real right now. So you're in a country that we're beefing with at too. the wrong time. I, I, at the wrong time, bro. It just take one bad decision, bro. And now look, you finna be you keep getting your court dates pushed back, and you facing 10 years on top of that for something as small as as weed, bro. Like it, it's it's a messed up situation, but she found herself in it, which is the sad part. And that's why I told her, like, not told her, but that's why I said when the situation first happened, like, when you go to these overseas countries, like, their detention is way different than over here in the U.S., bro, where you get bonded, you can get bonded out, all that other shit. Like, when you go over there, like, a lot of people do not know their rules, bro. So you go over there thinking you could just get away with anything. If you get caught up, like, that's your ass, bro. It's not a lot of saving that can happen when you get on in, like, the, the arms of, you know what I'm saying, their officers or whatever, bro, so... It's a dangerous situation. Definitely prayers up for Brittany Griner. Hopefully get, she gets back soon as possible because that's still some bullshit. Even though rules is rules, and, that's still some bullshit. And you black. Being black don't usually help you wherever, wherever you go mm-hmm. unless you're dealing with other black people. So you in Russia. <laughs> I don't even know how Russia feel about black people, but, hey, you you in a predominantly white area with way stricter rules than the white people you used to. So just you just got to be ready to bite that bullet. The Soviets hate blacks. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, moving forward, we got Booker is, Devin Booker is 2K23's cover athlete. So definitely shout out to Devin Booker for that. Uh, do you think somebody else should have been the cover of 2K23? I really was not even worried about this with all this free agency news. <laughs> and and usually the cover announcement hits a lot harder, but this year it was kind of like, a, oh, okay, and I just kept scrolling. I think we're usually more captivated. I, I think they announced it just at the wrong time. They should have waited. It was literally like the day of KD. Yeah, KD. That's what I'm saying. Trade, yeah. You do it the day KD announced he wants a trade. Like, nobody gives a fuck about the 2K cover <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, y'all should have waited like two weeks. Two weeks into July before y'all announced that. So y'all would have had a lot more press for that. But shout out to mm-hmm. Devin Booker. Uh um, I don't think nobody else really deserved it over him. He's somebody that you can make a huge argument that he should be the cover. So I ain't mad at it. I would have liked to see Steph again, honestly, bro. Steph get his GOAT cover. Because are, are there still two sides to it? It's like a, a GOAT edition or a legendary edition, and it's a regular edition. They I don't know about the gold edition. I know they do like a legendary edition. And yeah, all that. so the legendary edition should definitely be. He'll, he'll probably be on the legendary edition. I was hearing it was going to be Brian and Kobe again because the number twenty three. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna lie. You got to do that. I ain't gonna lie. That's that's tough. That's tough. Yeah, that's definitely tough. But uh, yeah. Moving on. We got past the ox, man. What you got for song of the week? Uh, I got Good Love by City Girls and Usher, bro. Ever since that song dropped last night, I done had it on repeat. Usher did his thing, bro. And I think Usher is going to be one of them R&B artists. That boy can be by 60, and he could still hop on a, a um a up-to-date track and still be relevant. So shout out to the City Girls. They slid on there. Shout out to Usher. Good love. 
I've been listening to a lot of good goddamn music this week, man. I went back and listened to that um, 21 Savage and Metro Boomin. That sad and done. Yeah. Slide, that yes, sad sir. and done slot. That sad and done slot. Yeah, I feel like it was something else. Oh, yeah, that uh, West Side Boogie Project. That nigga project go crazy. Uh, Can't Get Over You by West Side Boogie. Definitely shout out and listen to his new album as well. And let's move on to movie and show reviews. Yes, yeah, so we just recorded for Miss Marvel episode four. Uh, this weekend we'll be recording for Avatar. We just did our recording for Black Phone as well. So look forward to seeing us talk about um the Black Phone Avatar. Uh, we got to do Spiderhead. I got to watch Spiderhead, so mm-hmm. I got to hurry up and watch that so we can record and everything everywhere all at once. Those are the um most recent recordings you will see from us thor love and thunder comes out next weekend so we will definitely have that review for y'all as soon as possible crazy as hell all right bro you can hit it with the social media you can follow us on twitter at qe podcast one you can follow us on instagram at qande podcast you can follow and like our facebook page and subscribe to our youtube at q and sign e podcast and our gmail is qande podcast at gmail.com Yes, and definitely subscribe to all of our podcast platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And definitely subscribe to the QNE Media page. It is QANDEmedia.com. Our Instagram is QANDE Media. And our Instagram or our Twitter is QE Media. And we appreciate all you guys for listening and watching. And we out. Peace.